0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me, because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis... Get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7.
2: G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening guys, and without further ado, let's begin. I used to frequent a relatively popular 11.5 mile hiking trail. The lot that this trail is on is only about 50 or so acres, so the trail winds back and forth in order to fit. So one day I was hiking... This particular day was very nice the weather was good and i hadn't seen a lot of people at one point about maybe 10 feet off the trail i could see where i was going parallel to the same trail as it turned on and sort of snaked back about a mile ahead i hope that makes sense but i noticed that by that section of the trail there was a fallen tree with three people sitting on it a man a woman and a boy This by itself wouldn't have been unusual, as it is one of the most popular trails in this area. The problem was, though, is that they were sitting, like, completely still and completely silent. Their backs were to me, and they seemed to be staring straight ahead, almost as if they were sort of, I don't know, entranced or something. I was very unsettled, as this is obviously unusual behavior, so I kept walking, but... Being as unsettled as I was, I sort of looked back and was startled to find that they were gone. I stopped in my tracks, listening, but hearing nothing. I'll tell you why this startled me too, because any outdoorsman will tell you that sound travels in the woods. Sound becomes entrapped by the canopy and funneled through the trees. If somebody steps a hundred feet away, you're likely to hear it, and I, having been raised in the woods, have ears attuned to such sounds. Yet, those three people were able to move without me hearing, well, a thing. In the end, I just sort of dismissed it. Maybe my mind was preoccupied and I just hadn't heard them. So, I turned back around to keep walking. And ahead of me now, on my section of the trail, there they were. With their backs to me again. I saw them silently walk away over a hill and... After that, I never saw them again. So now, not only had I failed to hear them, but I'd failed to see them walk past me, and I really don't know how. I immediately called my friend up, told him that the children of the corn were out at Swayback, and kept him on the phone so that he could send help if he heard me get hit by a pitchfork or something. There's a possibility, I admit, that I'm remembering details inaccurately, and what happened in reality might have been, I don't know, much less uncanny. But this experience, it still bugs me to this day, and I'm almost certain that it happened the way I tell it. This all started when I was 14, when my mum met her new boyfriend. His name was Ray. I remember the first time that he met me and my siblings. He looked at my mum and said, Oh wow, didn't know you had a gang. Which, looking back on it, was a very weird thing for him to say, since he had been on a few dates with my mum before, and she had told him exactly how many kids she had. Honestly though, Ray seemed like a, a normal guy at first. He was in his 40s and had two older sons from his last marriage, who would sometimes come over for dinner, but things went wrong after he moved in. He would yell a lot and have a loud argument with my mum almost every day and throw things at her, but he would always sweet talk his way around her afterwards, and this is probably why she didn't leave him sooner. My mum was crazy young when she had us, and she has always been a bit immature for her age, so I think that it made it easier for him. But Ray found it difficult to get along with my siblings and me. He would complain about every little thing that we did wrong and quickly became very controlling. But whenever we complained about how he was acting to our mum, he would accuse us of trying to ruin their relationship. This would work pretty much every time too since it would cause her to get angry and yell at us instead of him. As we got older, he stopped us from seeing friends that he didn't like and wouldn't allow any friends to come over unless they had his approval first. I realized that he was crazy when he picked me up from school one day, which he never did, and while driving home, he accused my sister and me of trash talking him behind his back. When I asked him how he would even know that, he told me that he had proof. When we got home, he showed me a tape recorder and played back a recording of my sister and me complaining about him in our bedroom at night. I asked him why the heck he put recorders in our bedroom for and we had a huge argument over this but I immediately called my mum and told her. I later found out from her that she never actually said anything about it to him. I made him remove all the tape recorders from our bedroom but I'm convinced that he kept on hiding them since he would sometimes bring up conversations that my sister and I had while he wasn't around. We were so paranoid that we would whisper and we would never talk about anything private in case he somehow heard it. We were so terrified that he also had cameras as well as tape recorders and we would dress and undress super quickly so if there were any cameras that he wouldn't be able to see anything and it really makes me angry thinking about the fear that we lived in while living there when I was 16 I got a job at a fast food place and Ray had a big problem with that as well his reasoning for this was that my boyfriend at the time worked there and he believed that I was just going there to mess around with my boyfriend so his way of checking on me was to come and sit in the parking lot and record me he did this too for a complete month He would show me the recordings after which and would just lead to even more arguments, ending with 16-year-old me begging a 40-plus man to not stalk me at work. I was pretty much done at this point and moved in with my dad who had just moved back from New Zealand. My dad was so angry when I told him about everything that had happened and he wanted to call the cops on Ray, but my mum begged him not to. They broke up a few years later after something unrelated but thankfully i never saw him again after this i was 14 at the time of this incident i was home with my brother grandma and my baby cousin my brother had invited some girl over please remember that part too because it is key to this story my brother then introduced us to the girl She looked normal but seemed a bit, I don't know, maybe nervous or something. My grandma asked her some questions and told her that if her and my brother needed anything to let her know. Anyways, my grandma told me to stay upstairs and allow my brother and the girl privacy downstairs. Of course, me being the nosy little sister, I wanted to know everything, especially this new girl that my brother brought home. I sort of snuck down the hall quietly and looked over the banister. I saw the girl looking outside the backyard and also asking my brother questions like who all live here, is this your guys house, it's so nice, hearing the conversation I decided to listen to my grandma and go back inside my room, I began to listen to music and felt the urge to look outside my window, I then saw a 2000 Chevrolet Impala parked outside of our driveway. The door was wide open and it appeared to be a man leaving our home with all of our tech items from our home and packing it inside the car. A feeling of dread came over me like, yo, what is going on? Then the sound of loud talking was heard downstairs and my brother said, please, you don't have to do this. Just let us leave if you know what's best for you, the girl responded. I hurried and ran to my grandma as quietly as I could to let her know what I saw downstairs and what I heard. She didn't understand the severity of what I was telling her and began to laugh, which kind of made me upset because, I mean, our life could have been in danger, right? I heard tires screech and saw the Chevrolet Impala speed down the street. I called out to my brother and he said, huh, in a really distraught voice, what's going on and who was that man outside, I asked. He didn't reply. I walked downstairs and saw my brother shaking his head in disbelief, looking at where our TV used to be. The police came shortly due to my grandma calling them. We were later informed that my brother and the girl met for the first time that day, off of a a dating app of all things. And of course, they met at our home. The girl, of course, set up the entire robbery. She was just the decoy until her boyfriend came to rob us. This next part that I'm about to share always makes my blood run cold. You see, the guy who robbed us held my brother at knife point and said that if he didn't comply that he would stab all of us upstairs as a punishment for him getting in the way. The cops asked my brother to give him a description, but he didn't. Later on the same day, we then heard a truck park on the side of the house. Whoever was in it, they yelled, threw a glass bottle down and drove off. I'm not sure if it was the same man who robbed us, but it terrified me nevertheless. I'm really grateful that nothing happened to my brother or my family, but I guess it just goes to show that you really just cannot trust anyone in this world. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. This story occurred a few years back. I would have been around eight or nine at the time. So my old bedroom sat facing out towards the street and also happened to be right next door to our front door. It was very small as it had been built in place of our old front porch. The roof was slanted slatted downward sort of towards the window which took up most of the wall and the bed could only fit in one way. It was painted purple not a nice purple either like a kid's bedroom of course but my bed sat facing towards the door to my bedroom parallel to the window. My closet took up part of the corner between my bedroom door and the window, making for a sort of unusual space, I guess. And every night, I, I would always check to make sure the curtains were shut all the way, as the idea of people watching from the street made me really uncomfortable. Even at a young age where things like that shouldn't have even really crossed my mind, I guess. Every night, I slept soundly. No nightmares, no sudden noises waking me in the middle of the night. Nothing. That was until the middle of the year during a a school break. I remember waking to the sound of just someone breathing. I couldn't move, couldn't catch my breath. I was just sort of stuck. But what I do remember seeing so clearly was a man stood in the corner of my room, stuck partly behind the curtain as if it would hide him. Of course, I could see him though. He was just this... Dark entity who stood and watched me. And after what felt like hours, I was able to get back to sleep. In the morning, I told my mum about what happened, and she explained that it was just a strange nightmare and that I would be fine. But the way she said it was just very not believable, I guess. These cases of sleep paralysis, too, went on for about a year, taking me up to the middle of the next year when I was likely eight or nine. I remember waking in the middle of the night, just like I had most nights for the last year, to the man in the corner. Only this time, I could move. I didn't dare move though, I stayed absolutely still, despite now knowing that he was actually there. I I could hear his faint breathing, like he was trying to hide from me as much as I was trying to hide from him. I couldn't help but think, has this man been here every night this year? I remember the thoughts that I had. How I would run out of the room and scream for my mum. How she would call the police. How this man would be arrested and sent away. But I just couldn't do that. I mean, he was basically in front of the door. Instead, I spent the night staring at him, trying to fall asleep. I'd say it was around 5am I was finally able to drift off. Just sort of as the birds started to wake up, really. I woke up and... Lo and behold, he was gone. The first thing that I did was tell my mum. She already looked uneasy, like she already knew as well. And that's when I heard two people talking outside. I found out later the people outside were my neighbour and a police officer who was taking an eyewitness statement. Because apparently, around six in the morning, our neighbour spotted a man standing outside of my window. She called the police, but he was gone before they arrived. Other neighbors stepped forward saying that they'd seen him outside in the middle of the day, looking at our house too. There were no signs of forced entry, only two footprints in the flower bed outside of my window. My mother told the officers my account of what happened, and they came to the conclusion that he'd done the same thing last year. I saw it, and it sparked my tangent of sleep paralysis. The streetlight outside projected his shadow so it appeared as though he was standing in my room. This whole time, he'd been waiting patiently outside of my room. Honestly, who knows what would have happened to if my neighbor didn't spot him on her way out to work. Just a few minutes and she could have missed him entirely.
0: Or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
2: When I have to walk to my bus stop, it's always five in the morning. Given that it's only entering summer or spring for me now, it's only starting to lighten up at this time. This happened though mid to end of fall, so it was still pretty dark out at five. During my walk, I have to walk along a sort of non-busy road with few lights that often go out too because of the timing, so it's pretty dark there. I live right by a middle school, but they started around 8, so it's empty that early in the morning. I was walking past this school too when this car had pulled up and into the parking lot. They had rolled down their window and said something to me, I couldn't really hear it exactly, but I sort of sped up. It left the parking lot and drove up again to the intersection. I noticed the car had very tinted windows and also had no license plate on it, front or back. The car was waiting to turn, despite there being no reason not to as there were no cars passing by. I stood still and it was at this point that I called my dad, then waiting until I watched it turn and drive away before continuing to walk. It's about a 15 minute walk between my house and the bus stop and my mum had taken my pepper spray so I didn't have it on me. I stayed on the phone with my dad for the rest of the call but I think about this often when I'm walking and how I'm only ever the only person walking the path at 5 o'clock in the morning. I make sure to keep my pepper spray on me these days and my finger on the trigger. However, I'm looking to get something more like a pocket knife or a taser instead. I feel pepper spray would have been severely ineffective in this situation. This is something that happened to me when I was around 15 or 16. I, a 24 year old female now, used to be painfully shy as a kid. So I had a few small groups of friends that I was always around. My first day of sophomore year, I met this guy, his name was Seth, 18 to 19 year old male, in one of the classes who seemed a little bit strange. I didn't think too much of it though at the time because he seemed really nice to be honest. Finally, it was time for my favorite period, lunch. Lunch was reserved for my favorite people, two boys who graciously accepted awkward 13 year old me after a dramatic move to my dad's home One of the boys was actually my best friend and my first boyfriend, his name was Jay. So we were really close and I trusted him more than anyone else at the time. The other, his name was Harry, was in the same class with me where I met Seth. Anyway, I sit at our table and we begin to start comparing teachers when Seth randomly joins our table. I figured that he was one of their friends or something so we just continued like normal. After a few weeks, I started getting a little bit creeped out by Seth. He seemed to be sort of like everywhere that I went in the school and always stood way too close to me. If I asked him to take a step back, he would point out other guy friends who stood closer. It was usually the same two guys he would use as examples. For context, I'm in a wheelchair and he was really tall, so my head was the same level as that area. I eventually found out that he had seen what my school login was and saved it to his computer. Now, I didn't want to immediately freak out and report him, so I decided that I was going to just ask him to delete it. He said that he would and that that was the end of that. But as the months go on, Seth started to get worse. The class that we had was a film class where the students would go out during the period in groups to do the project independently. This was very scary too because he would immediately claim me in his group and I was too nice to decline until we were put into pairs. He always tried to get me to go film with him in the back fields behind our school. The way that he would suggest it to, it got me so scared that I would refuse to leave the room. My teacher was amazing and didn't force anyone to go out, but he would end up doing it alone and I would edit it. Now, while Seth was out, I decided to see if he deleted my login, and he had it. He had at least 20 other logins saved on this document, and I was scared enough at this point to report it to my counselor. My counselor was a complete idiot for a lack of better terms, and decided to tell him that a girl in his class had reported him. I found out because the next day he came to lunch and started accusing me and seemed really angry. I denied it and Jay and Harry stuck up for me. It was shortly after this that I found out that neither of my friends actually knew Seth. He only knew of me when he joined our table. My counselor decided that my concerns were not important enough to notify our teacher or police. I guess it wasn't serious enough to warrant anything outside the school. They didn't even notify my dad, believe it or not. After everything happened with the report, though... He went back to being creepy but in a worse way this time. Every day he would try to convince me to go somewhere with him behind our school and it had gotten to the point that he was trying to tell me that I had to. He would make up excuses for us to go somewhere alone. I didn't tell anyone about it besides the school and my teacher later because at that time I wasn't sure if it was just me being crazy or not. I do think that my friends might have expected that he was getting too pushy because they started walking with me to classes when they could. I ended up telling my teacher what was going on and he immediately started assigning seats and talked to another girl in my class to see if I could permanently join her group. Seth graduated at the end of that year and decided to resurface in my email inbox when I was 17 or 18. But at that point, I blocked him. Between the ages of two and five, I had an imaginary friend named Charlie. He was tall and thin with grey hair and brown eyes, probably around 50 to 60 years old. And the first warning sign was his age, as most imaginary friends are the same age as the child, right? He was kind, though. We played together a lot dolls swing sets toys my grandma caught me talking to him once and asked who I was talking to I told her that I was talking to Charlie she asked about him so I explained him to her what he looked like how he acted what he did etc my grandpa walked in on our conversation and was interested too and got more and more surprised as I went on and he went on to tell me this A man named Charlie lived in the house next to ours in the 50s when he was growing up. Pa said that he didn't remember a lot about him, just that he was really tall and had an old car that left a big trail of black smoke behind it. The house Charlie supposedly lived in was just a stone porch now, as the rest of it burned down decades ago. Charlie had a wife, Eliza. She died a few years after they got married. She apparently ended her own life... His next wife, Rose, though, lived in another city and refused to move down to Charlie's house until he built her a porch. So he did, and they married, and she moved in. She died about nine or ten years later. She was getting ready for bed, apparently, when her nightgown caught on fire from the fireplace in their room. Everything in the house got burnt down with her, everything except the porch, which didn't have even a burn mark on it, apparently. The wooden door leading to the porch was completely fine, too. It's still there, in fact, and I go see it every time that I visit my grandparents. Anyway, Charlie, he died in the 1960s from heart failure. He lived with his sister until he passed away, and then I suppose that he must have come back to see how everything was doing, and apparently decided to stay. This story goes back to when I was 14 years old. I lived with my grandparents but had regular visitation with my mother. My mum and I were on good terms and summer was coming up so she planned a small family get together on a weekend that I would be at her house. I was super excited for this because I could see my cousins and relatives from that side of the family, for the weekend that is, and spend the rest of the week with my mum. And the first day went really great. We went muddy and got messy and had a really good time together. When night came, things really cooled down a bit and we decided that we would watch a movie. So we watched a movie about greasers and had a character named Ponyboy in it. I know the name of the movie, but I can't think of it at the moment. But anyway, it was not a scary film by any means. Bedtime hits and I struggled with insomnia and stayed up later than most of the people staying over that night when i finally went to bed i swore that i could hear knocking on the bedroom door uh yeah hey uh it's mike come to the kitchen the problem with this whole scenario is that my uncle mike was in the house and had a very thick country accent this voice sounded like it was trying badly to fake that accent Uh, no i'm trying to get some sleep i'm making a cake and i left you the knife to cut it with This didn't make any sense to me at all, so I opened the door and said, I'm not cutting a damn cake at, like, one in the morning. When I did, there was nobody there. But there was a large knife by the door. For some reason, I assumed Mike was joking with me, so I put the knife up in the kitchen and got the strangest onset of fight or flight that I have ever had. So I ran. I ran into a room my cousin was sleeping in because he was 3 or 4 years older than me and I just acted on instinct. When I ran into the room the door was shut and I opened it, closed it and I locked it. I woke him up and tried to explain what was up but he just sort of tossed over and said that I could sleep with him in his bed if I wanted. I was scared and remember seeing that it was like 1.30 in the morning at this point. Mr. Lonely was playing and a pale blue light was in the room. The next morning comes and my aunt asks me why I was knocking on their bedroom door asking her to come to the kitchen that night. I tell her that I wasn't. She asks why my cousin's door was open with the light on at 2am. I tell her that I ran in and closed the door and locked it at 1.30 and there was only a blue nightlight on. She tells me that it was not what she saw and... She said that she saw the door completely open, the lights on, and could hear talking from the room. When I asked her why her husband Mike was knocking at my door at 1am, she said that Mike went to work at midnight and didn't come back until 6 in the morning. We all got suspicious at this and took a flip phone around asking questions and got audio captured saying, I am Mike and I am still here very clearly. We didn't hear it when we asked it, but we did in the recording. I don't know what happened that night, but it never happened again to my knowledge, and it still bothers me all these years later. Now, I know that this is really weird, so bear with me, but it happened about six months ago. As I was falling asleep, a mean sort of evil voice said, Your dad's going to die. It was really evil sounding, it was so scary in fact that I prayed to god to protect my dad because I really wasn't sure if it was a dream or not. It felt real and vivid but obviously I didn't tell anyone about it. The very next day I started feeling like really dizzy and nauseous and it was so bad that I couldn't even stand up straight. The whole room was spinning at one point, then my dad called me. He said that he was scared because he was dizzy and nauseous as well. It was really weird because it was like I was experiencing the exact same thing at that very moment. I was asking him questions like if he had chest pains and suddenly he just stopped responding. I'm like dad, answer me or I'm calling 911 and there was no response so I called 911. My dad lives like 35 minutes from me and I felt pretty helpless at the time. I prayed again and remembered my dream and was in a total panic my dizziness went away and the paramedics got there and my dad was conscious he refused to go to the hospital because he's stubborn like that but long story short we went to a doctor had a ct scan done and one of his arteries was severely blocked and he suffered a mini stroke he had surgery and he's doing okay these days However, his memory is worse than ever, and I'm scared about vascular dementia at this point. I'm still glad that he's here, and the odd thing is that, why did the voice sound so evil, I guess? I mean, it literally warned me. I believed my prayers helped the situation, but I'm really confused about it. There's no way that this was just a coincidence. I mean, it literally happened the next day, and anyway... The whole thing was really weird, something that I'll never forget and I just thought that I should share it. This is an encounter from a few years back now, I think autumn of 2017. I'll try to remember what was said but I admit that it might be a bit off. It was a dark part of the year, only a few streetlights, but the wet asphalt seemed to absorb all the light and make the scenery even darker where I lived, so I had moved into my late mum's house a few years before. It was on a nice neighborhood, but close to one particularly bad area, and it also had a really bad apartment building that was known as Murder Alley. It was a dangerous neighborhood, with a few mailmen killed, doors broken with axes, passers-by thrown at with old TVs, stones and more, drug users and shady people living there. I was suspicious towards strangers on the streets and avoided telling where I lived pretty much all the time. But one evening I left to the store a short walk away and met a stranger, just after leaving my yard that is, he had dirty clothes, greasy hair, and seemed kind of off right away. But he came towards me and started to talk. Hey, ya, uh, where does... And he gave a name, Live. He asked this in a sort of annoyed tone. I have no idea who he's looking for, so... I say, um, sorry, I really don't know. Why? He sounded even more annoyed. Well, I don't live here, I said... ...as I tried to stay calm. I hurried past him and didn't look back. I was too scared to possibly find him staring at me even more or following me. He was a big guy, heavily built and maybe like a bit over six foot and I was a five foot tiny woman. I just went to the store and I did my shopping. Afterwards I started walking home and I saw the guy standing right in the shadows behind the shop's corner... I kept walking and when turning in my driveway I glanced behind me and I saw him following me and I walked through my dark yard inside my house and didn't put the lights on but peeked through the window facing the street. The guy was standing there next to my mailbox staring at my window. I sort of took a few steps back freaked out and just waited in the dark. I messaged my friend group what was happening so they could check on me if something happened. I said that I had an axe next to my door if the guy would try to come in. One of my friends, my now boyfriend, told me to call the police at once. I took a glance outside again quickly and the strange guy turned away and just left. So I didn't end up making the call. I never saw that dude again, but I'm really glad that I didn't get to turn into an axe murderer in self-defense. The murder alley was torn down a couple of years after and... The bad vibe disappeared with it, but the area is now way more peaceful than it has ever been since the apartment building was built in the 1960s. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast, and please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too.
0: Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com.
1: That's A-N-G-I dot com. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can